Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. Welcome back to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy, brought to you by the hashtag same here, Global Mental Health Movement. I'm your host, Eric Cusin. Unfortunately, uh, our buddies Darren and Theo couldn't make this one. And here's the reason why, because we're recording on the weekend and you're going to hear from my guests in a second that I wanted to wait to have the right guest to come on specifically because of what we've been following with this Naomi Osaka story. There's been some twists and turns that have happened since our last podcast when we had Pam Shriver on, who is an incredible guest, Uh, but some really important things for us to actually tackle (laughs) Maybe that's a little bit of a uh, foreshadowing for what we're about to talk about. And so my guest today is uh, someone who dominated the California high school football scene, had his choice of where he could go for a scholarship standpoint when it came to college football, chose to stay in state uh, and play at USC, and then got drafted to play tight end in the NFL. So I'm talking about Mr. Randall Telfer. So welcome, Randall. Hey, appreciate it, man. Really appreciate it. That's a, a really uh, uh, great introduction. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. I swear to guys, it, it's a lot. He's making it a lot bigger than I actually than I actually did. But appreciate the love anyway. Well, to to give everyone some background, so you know when we first launched, you know we're all a little crazy, and then the same here movement. We started by going to colleges and universities, so everywhere from Cornell and Michigan all the way on the West Coast to USC. And we were working with a woman there who Randall knows really well. Uh, and, and Randall, if I botch her last name, because it's it's an interesting pronunciation of the spelling. So Robin Schofield, right? Or is it Schofield? Schofield, yeah. Schofield, okay. <laughs> who, who herself was, a, a, she was an Olympian, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she has built an incredible program at USC as it pertains to social emotional health of athletes. Right. And so another topic also we can dive into is how USC has really been at the forefront of this and has probably more counselors than any other school in the country in terms of working with athletes and everything that takes place off the court field, ice, et cetera. But so we were at this event, uh, USC was one of our, our first partner schools. We had 15 schools we were working with. And I had uh, decided to bring, uh, if you remember it, Randall, Chamika Holtzclaw uh, of the WNBA and then Tracy Murray of the NBA. And then Robin was like, oh, I got this guy, Randall, played in the NFL, you know, real, real great guy here, played at, at USC. And then we're on the stage together. Right. And, and you're <laughs> telling your story. And I think, you know, for people who who hear what we've been doing and see the different athletes and people with personalities who who join in on this movement that we've been creating. The beautiful thing, Randall, is like you and I can go three months without talking to each other. We can shoot each other a DM on social media. Once you've connected in a vulnerable way with someone, and by the way, the first time you ever connected in a vulnerable way was in a room full of friggin' an entire group of athletes at USC. But Theo, Theo says this all the time. He's like, we're in the business of collecting people. That's yeah. what happens when you're vulnerable. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about that. Like you came to that event. We didn't know each other. I don't know how much you have to like go back into the cobwebs to uh, clear the cobwebs out to remember it. But it was awesome. And it's, there's this connection I feel to you ever since then. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you, you, you hit it on the head. I think there's a, there's a certain you know bond that is forged uh, in vulnerability. Um you know, and and that that was an interesting event because um, I had never really spoken, um, you know, uh, on you know topics like that in in a room full of people before. Um, but I know that I had been so you know removed from it, and I had done you know the the necessary healing to where I, you know, I had the 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 courage and the confidence to do so. And to be honest, like the way that I operate is if you know if I can help one person. Um, 
you know, based on my experiences and based on my story, it's, it's always going to be worth it. Um, and that's, that's the fulfilling part for me. And, 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 you know, that, that definitely rang true that day. There was a, a couple of kids who reached out to me shortly after, um, you know, just to, just to connect and, and talk. Um, and, you know, I really appreciated it because, you know, I, I got so many other different perspectives and different stories. Um, Eric, you, you know, your story too, which is an, an incredible one, um, you know, and to, to kind of piece it all together and present to, you know, these kids who are going to be, if not already, experiencing these things um, or might be experiencing these things um, was something that, you know, I'm, I'm going to take with me, you know, wherever I go, really. It's, it, it's something that I, I still talk about to this day. Um, and I try to, you know, bring other people in, you know, whenever I can. And I didn't know at the time, right? So so Robin mentioned she's bringing um, Randall. Would I be open to it? Of course I'm open to it, right? Like this guy, you know, is willing to be vulnerable in a room full of people after the stage he's been on before. And you, in the spirit of foreshadow, you just foreshadowed a little bit. You're like, it's the first time I was open about those things, right? So we're going to get into what those things were because we talked last week about the Naomi Osaka, you know, uh, let's call it situation, right? And, and Randall, you and I did a little prep before this because I wanted to give you almost like the angle that we were going to discuss this this uh, situation from was that where we ended up last week on, um, on our show was was this takeaway that on social media in in, in pop culture, you know, in, in in the way that we're kind of measuring, if you will, from from a 30,000 foot view, how people are judging the Naomi situation it was so polarizing. It was like the people yeah. were like, she's amazing. She's so strong for what she did. She stood up for mental health and she put that in front of everything. And then some people were like, oh, she's lazy. She didn't want to play. She chose not to play. You know, she she did it the wrong way. And our answer was, the answer somewhere in the middle. Naomi didn't necessarily hand her, handle it the perfect way at the beginning when she chose that she was just going, and when I say chose, I don't mean chose from the standpoint of what she did related to her mental health. I mean, she was choosing at the beginning to not talk to the French Open, to just say on her social media channels, I'm not going to participate in the press. And then that blew up. Then they all got together, though, and this is where we're saying it's not always the answer's not always it's all awful or it's all bad. They both got together and released statements saying we look forward to working together now Yes, I need to take off, which we applaud her for, that she took off for her mental health for the whole uh, tour and not just um, for the press. And that the, and that the tours came out and said, we, we look forward to working with the players to make changes, right? The tour could have said, I know that some people don't love the tour statement, but the tour could have said, well, you know, we find you. Uh, uh, now you understand the situation. <laughs> Obviously, they would have said it a lot nicer than what I'm describing right now. But um, you know, glad that this is over with, and we look forward to moving forward. No, they they address that we need to work together to make changes to the media. And so, why did I th think Randall would be the best guest for continuing this conversation? Because okay, the story could have ended there, but it didn't. Roger Federer ends up bowing out of the French Open um, for physical health reasons. Okay, injury. And Darren, who's a co-host on the show, is a pretty large platform, uh, 2 million followers. And he puts out a tweet, usually, by the way, full disclosure to everyone listening, when Darren tweets about something mental health, he'll run it by me, right? Um, and and just to get like a little bit of feel of how's this going to, Darren must have been heated because he just puts it out there without without <laughs> telling me about it. And the 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 tweet was essentially saying, Look at the difference here. Look at how the media reacted. Look at how fans reacted from Federer, world, you know, high-ranked, you know, tennis player, male side, female, high-ranked tennis player, um, female side. And the reactions were so different based on Federer bowing out because of physical health and Naomi bowing out because of mental health. Now, let's take it a step further. I look on, because I before I react, I like to see what some people's other reactions are. And I'm looking at the blue check marks of you know verified Twitter accounts and people who have national platforms and profiles, and they're commenting on Darren's tweet and they're saying, "Darren, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see any negative feedback about Naomi taking off." <laughs> and and if for those who are listening who aren't watching, you know, Randall, he's he's shaking his head and rolling his eyes because he saw what I saw. And then to make matters worse, or I should say, make matters worse to 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 compound what we were seeing and how different it was and what those reporters were that were replying to Darren, there were people in the feed, everyday people, fans, who were writing things like, well, Federer had to take off because his body couldn't continue to go on. 
Naomi chose to take off. That was her decision. And that's the differentiation that they're hearing. So what it made me think about big picture, and, and again, going back to why I wanted Randall on for this, is the way the media discusses mental health, the way that we as a society discuss mental health. In Naomi's case, because you didn't see her, like we've seen in many stories of mental health recently, where there was a catastrophic thing that happened. You know, we, we heard about the Drew Robinson case where he shot, unfortunately, his head and and he lost his eye. That's a major. So, oh, you could understand how he couldn't play, right? If, if he's physically harmed because of his mental health. But yet you read about physical health stories all the time. Person who goes through cancer. By the way, full disclosure, my brother had cancer, so I'm not downplaying cancer. What I'm saying is we hear about cancer stories. We hear about accidents. And it's human interest. And we want to we want to hear the great story about the comeback story, the person coming back. When it's mental health and someone's just in bed, can't get up, foggy-brained, numb, unable to move, that's not a sensational enough story for people. The press doesn't write about it. And now we have the situation like we have with Naomi where, well, we didn't see it. It didn't bleed. So how bad could she possibly be is my take on why people are reacting that way. So, Randall, so, so why do I think you'd be the best guest? With all that background, you – you know, I'm, I'm going to give the Cliff Notes version, but please go into detail. You know, you you hadn't played football uh, up until your freshman year of high school, and and a coach finds you and and, and you start playing. You like I said, you get recruited to a bunch of places. You, you 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 choose USC, and then you're dealing first with a number of physical injuries before anything in your mind, at least, is starting to happen from a mental health perspective. So you want to take us a little bit into kind of being a USC football player, even give a little color, like who's your QB? I know Pete Carroll's your coach. Give a little color to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, like he, like he said, you know, start, started playing, you know, ball when I got to when I got to high school. You know, I was, I was a soccer player up until that point. Um, and I didn't really know about the game of football. Keep it, keep it a buck with you. Um, and I didn't know about, you know, the, the demands of it, the, how taxing it would be on your body. Um, obviously every sport, you know, um, you know, takes a toll on the, the physical, but football is, a, it's definitely another, another beast, you know, it's a hundred percent, you know, injury rate. So, you know, I had, was fortunate to go through high school without getting any injuries. I get to SC, um, you know, and it, it almost, it felt like I was the, now I was the small fish in the, the big pond, right? Um, you know, I, you know, just, just to preface, you know, SC, great school, loved it. Um, you know, I had made a lot of great connections there. Um, you know, I'm going to be a Trojan, you know, till I, till I die, you know, um, thing is at, when I was at SC, um, we unfortunately, um, didn't, we, we, we were coming off of, um, you know, bowl bans and, 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 and sanctions. And so we had a scholarship reduction. And so we didn't have that many tight ends on the roster. Um, and so uh, we had time. I think Matt, yeah, Matt Barkley was our quarterback my freshman and sophomore year. Um, and, you know, he was starting to favor the, there was funny, he was starting to favor the receivers just because they had the arsenal. We didn't have the arsenal on a tight end. You know, there'd be some practices where only be like one of us or two of us maybe that could, you know, sustain the whole practice. And so, we kind of like jarred it in our heads that we needed to be available, you know, every day as much as we could. So, I, of- I, I, just because you're telling the story and I'm hearing this part for the first time, I'm, I want to have a little back and forth. So, um, so okay, the, because of sanctions, the team doesn't have as many scholarships to give out. You said there's a lower number of tight ends than there are the full arsenal of wide receivers. Any idea, if is that a Pete Carroll way of coaching that if I don't have all available to me to pick and choose – I'm more of a guy who's going to throw it outside to the receivers and I am a little bit inside to the tight ends. So ideally, if I'm, if, if, I, if I'm, you know, keeping it a buck, the way that offense was set up is, is very, it favors the tight end really. Um, and oh, and okay. yeah. And Lane, Lane, Lane Kiffin was, was the, was the head guy at the time. And he loves tight ends. He'll, he, he, had, I remember he, he told us, um, you know, me and Xavier Grimble, Christian Thomas for the tight ends at the time. He was like, look, you know, I, I love tight ends. I, I like to throw to them. You just got to be available. You got to be there. You know what I mean? And also, you got to be able to block. Blocking is very taxing, too. You're, you know, 230-pound guy, 18-year-old, 19-year-old guy that's blocking, like, 290-pound seniors. You know what I mean? That that, that, that takes a toll, you know? Um, you know, I, I always share the story of, of trying to block Nick, Nick Perry, um, who, you know, was drafted, for, you know, in the, in the first round. And he, like, did so with, like, one arm and, like, chucked me like I was, like, just – junk 
and like I flew and like helicoptered into the backfield. <laughs> <laughs> one one of those things that that kind of sticks with you when you're in the weight room and, and, and when you're lifting. So, but 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 yeah. So, our offense favors the tight end. So we just figured like this is an opportunity. He said, "Listen, next year, like y'all redshirt this year. Next year, you guys are in it." So we're like, "All right, let's you know let's get it." So, um, but like I said before, it was only a handful of us. There were some practices, even some games. I remember there was one game. Uh, we played at Utah. All of the scholarship tight ends were were injured. We were out. We had one walk-on tight end who played the entire game. He loved it because he got the playing time. Um, we struggled a little bit, obviously, but um, you know that's that's kind of what we were faced with. And it was jarred to our head that we needed to perform. And you know, unfortunately, like a lot of us, you know, sustained you know injuries throughout the season, throughout the offseason. Um, and that's when, in spring 2013, is when you know, uh, my knee started to give me some issues. So spring 2013 um, is your what year? Spring 2013 was my redshirt, uh, my redshirt sophomore year. So it was my, it was my third year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it was rough because, you know, I want, obviously wanted to get out there, wanted to play as any athlete would. Um, and you know, the way I was looking at it was, oh, I, I can, I can defeat this. I've defeated so many other things. I can get past this, but you know, um, I needed to give it the necessary attention that it deserved. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, rushing back out there didn't help me much. You know what I mean? And so and that's when the, the slow demise kind of kind of started where, you know, I started to get into my head. And that's when, you know, Robin and I connected on, you know, how to manage this injury and how to come out of it um, on top. Right. You remember which game in your sophomore redshirt season this injury happened in? So this was actually um, the beginning of it was in during spring ball. Spring. So okay. yeah, spring ball. Um, I was I just caught a pass. I was running down the sideline. Me thinking I'm like, man, I'm I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm score. Middle linebacker um, who who was just as fast as I was, just as strong, killer killer athlete, comes and like horse collars me down, and we both come tumbling down, and yeah, and I felt something in my knee. It wasn't an ACL wasn't anything that was, you know, you know, crazy like that. But I felt something in my knee right at that moment. Got an MRI, like, yeah, you, you tore your meniscus, but this one's significant because it's torn all the way through. And when it's torn all the way through, we got to cut out a significant part of it. And so, um, you know, usually when folks tear their, their, their meniscus, they take out a little piece of it, you're able to recover in like four to six weeks or something like that. Um, that was a little bit different for me. They, they took out a good chunk of it. Um, and you know, the, the get back was never the same. I was never the same after that. And, and that's, this a, happens a in, this happens in spring ball. And when you say you're rushing to get back, do you mean rushing to get back for the beginning of the next actual college football season? Yeah. 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 So, um, when I, when I originally did it and I got the, I got the surgery, um, where, you know, spring ball's done, you know, we're, we're heading into, you know, summer, everything's cool. I'm rehabbing. The issue is. I'm not recovering and healing the way that I'm supposed to for a, for a meniscus injury. You know what I mean? And and that's the part that was that was boggling my mind because it was at the beginning of spring ball. So I figured, okay, if it only takes like, you know, you know, four weeks to to recover, I should be fine. I can come back at the end of you know spring ball, get a couple of reps in, be ready, you know, um, heading into to the summer. Things wasn't they didn't pan out for me. So that was like the beginning of you know, how, how am I going to overcome this? This is starting to take a toll on my mental more so than my physical, because, you know, in my mind, I, I want to be able to go, but my body's not letting me. Right. And so that dragged out, dragged on throughout summer, um, you know, and, you know, trying to get back, trying to get right, heading into the season, knees still not right. Um, and now, that's okay, so at this time, Randall, you, you're self-aware enough to know, it's not just a physical injury, it's a mental injury also, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because because um, the way that I was, the way that I was preparing um, for games um, completely shifted because uh, I got to a point where, you know, I wasn't like in the middle of the, you know, the, the, the hype circle, you know, trying to get the guys right. It was just, am, can I do this? Am, am I ready? Um, you know, I, there was so much doubt that I had in myself and in my body 
um, and that bled over onto the field. You know what I mean? And then after that, and you're season, usually the hype guy. You're usually the I'm guy. Usually, who loves I'm usually in there. Yeah, I'm usually like punching guys in the helmet. Like that's right. you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I'm relating and, so and, much. I'm relating so you know, Randall. Like we're talking to athletes a lot on these shows, but like yeah. I'm relating to my own story being in an office, and a lot of times when I tell the stories, like. I used to be the guy who loved getting the 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 sales reps together and giving a hype up talk beforehand or discuss objection training that we're all going through and stuff. And I didn't have that in me. And it's interesting that you're noticing the nuances of being on a football field that Randall that I know is not the Randall that I'm seeing now. I'm having to go from the hype up guy to can I even play? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the the self doubt started to creep in. You know the the anxiety the you know, uncertainty, the, you know, low self-esteem, you know, lack of confidence, which are things that definitely come with, with, with any injury. Um, and so I'm not downplaying any other injury in any, in any other sport. That's, that's, that's something that, that happens, you know, and it, come, you know, it comes I, with other injuries, but, but, but I really want people to focus on how, like, it's amazing to me that you were self-aware enough and you're going to talk a little bit about talking with Robin because a lot of people, Randall, especially when you are a high performance athlete, the focus is what am I doing wrong with my physical rehab that's not getting me back quick enough? And then they myopically focus on I got to do more PT. I and I'm not saying you weren't doing that also, but it's almost like they remove oh that that stuff will it'll figure itself out. It'll work out once I get back on the field. Meanwhile, yeah. you're making notice of it. No, there's two things going on here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and that's a big part of the reason why, you know, Robin was able to help me is she helped me realize that it was it was twofold, right? It wasn't just, you know, your physical injury, right? It was also your mental. And, and the mind is so powerful um, and it's so vital for for human performance. It's 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 pivotal, right? Um, and, you know, I started to get into um, and obviously starting to speak to Robin, trying to get trying to get right, you know, mentally to trying to get that confidence back, trying to understand what I was going through, because as a young kid, you know, 1920. I, I had no idea. I didn't like what. What is this? What, I've never been here before, um, and now I'm, I'm on a big stage. This isn't this isn't high school where it's like I can just like kind of like half-ass it. You know what I mean? Like this is this is USC, right? This is a big Pac-12 school. You know what I mean? My 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 people are talking about this on Twitter and in the news, like you know. And I didn't know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? And and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask another question as you're telling the yeah. story because it's so awesome and and what you're revealing like it, it's speaking to me so much I think it's gonna speak to everyone who's hearing this is talk a little like we 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 shared that USC because of Robin is a little more accepting and a little more progressive relative to other schools but if you had to be real real in 2013 going into 2014 maybe even was your ability outside of Robin and and this you know the the, the mental health group within sports at USC. Was your ability to be open, whether people are talking about you on Twitter, whether you're getting interviews, teammates even, let's not even talk about public, teammates asking you how you're doing, were, was it ex as acceptable to be open about one challenge as it was about the other challenge? It, it, it definitely was, was not because, like you said, when, it, when someone can physically see the pain, they can see the blood, they can see the physical injury, it's easy to talk about. It's like, yo, like this is the, this is the issue. You can see it right here. Those are the scars from the surgery. That's what I'm working on, right? When you try to discuss anything else, anything that the mental injuries that you're sustaining, it's hard to communicate, especially to, you know, masculine football players, exactly what you're going through. You know what I mean? And it's, it's what's crazy is you learn down the line, especially when you get older, that I wasn't the only one. There were other guys who were dealing with the same thing. You know what I mean? Or, or something similar. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so, all right. So you're, you're, you're working your way back. You're working more so with Robin, but it's like behind the closed door a little bit in the way as you're working with Robin. Want to continue from there because there's so much more to the story. I'll, I'll add an another question. And do you, you, you shared that looking back on it, other guys were going through things. Do you think your, um, your, your healing process on the mental side would have happened more quickly if there was an openness and the attitude of guys collectively going through that and working on it with each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's a, there's a certain, um, you know, bond in a bond in, in vulnerability, there's a certain bond in, in, in that collective, you know, misery that I think that you, it's like you take a step back collectively to take five steps forward. 
collectively. You know what I mean? Why so wouldn't I, it be, right, Randall? Like, look at yeah. when you look at physical health and you look on the sideline, the guy who's wearing the sleeve or the sling and the guy who's got a cast, they're, you know, crutching up on the field together because they're going through the same thing. It's the exactly. when, when your mental health is on the right place. Having that band of brothers, right, for lack of a better term, is huge for you. And yet, Still at this place, I mean, obviously was, these were a number of years ago, but I still think it hasn't gotten so, so, so much better. We still got a ways to go is that you're finding out after the fact instead of in the moment, hey, there's other people going through things. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, but that, you know, that that's that's the reality of it. That that really isn't at the forefront um, of, of sports. You know, um, I think, you know, it's, it's you know, we'll, talk, we'll continue to talk about that um today but that's it's it's getting better it's it's taking steps in the right direction right um you know but for so long it was just something that was just so taboo and such a huge stigma around it well the reason i bring it up the reason i bring it up now and i i'm sorry for so like i'm interrupting you only because i'm so excited as you're talking (laughs) so like look at what happened with naomi i know we're going to go back and forth between your story and hers but like how many players came out even if they themselves weren't going to take off from media, which I think is a good move not to take off from one the other. Again, side note. But players could have come out and said, you know what? I'm dealing with some stuff too. I understand why Naomi feels the need to take some time off. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not in the height of it right now. But Naomi's right. We need to at least discuss what the what the press uh, you know process is, right? Like, there was none of that. Yeah. <laughs> there was no player coming out and saying, yeah, I got her back because I feel some of these same things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's not like when it comes to all sports, it's not like it's, you know, all these sports are, are, are unionized. So it's like, it's so compartmentalized where if, if an athlete says there's something happening to an athlete in, in another sport, it's like, you kind of look at it from afar, like over the fence, but then you get back to what you're, what you're, what you're doing, what you're focused on. You know, um, there are a handful of athletes like NBA players, especially like Ky- Kyrie Irving who was very, very big on mental health. Um, who who definitely lent his his opinion and his support, um, you know. But if if we can do so, like that, lend that support collectively, the same way you know we might lend support for an athlete who you know goes through a gruesome injury. Um, and I think that those are the steps that we need to take in the right well, direction. I, you brought up you brought up Kyrie Irving, and I love you know some people call him a crybaby, or I love the way that he talks about things. Because he takes off, he takes the the penalty for it, if it's a fine or whatever it is. But when he comes back, he doesn't shy away from the questions. And he uses his platform to educate people. And he says, this is what I was feeling. This is what I was going through. And I'm not going to bring up other names, but there are other athletes, even active right now, who they do things or they go through things. And then when the press asks them, they're like, it's an in-locker room situation. Like, you know, it stays in the house, right? And look, as an athlete and a guy who worked in pro sports, I get that side of things. But if you're going to put your name out there as an advocate, you're going to say you're an advocate, you're going to take off because you're an advocate. And then when it's time to finally talk about why you took off or why you're okay with getting the fine or why, whatever it was, give people something. And that's what I think Kyrie does. He gives people something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, if last year taught us anything, um, it's that uh, we – we have this space um, to to pretty much talk about whatever it is that we need to, and, and and not only will people listen, but even if they even if they don't, we can kind of like make them listen. I think that's what Kyrie understands now is we've got the space to talk about the things that have been so taboo for so long, you know, across so many different issues, you know, racial issues, ethnic, you know, um, you know sexual orientation, religion, across the gamut, mental health. We're talking about these things. We're taking a really hard look at ourselves, you know, um, and understanding that like, we're all we're all human, you know what I mean? These are things that we all encounter, we all face every single day. You know, I wake up, I walk out, I'm a black man, it, no no doubt about it, you know what I mean? Um, you know, there's some people who who wake up and they they're, they're not feeling a certain type of way, or they might be injured, or whatever it might be. Um, and now we're getting to a point where like we can we can walk outside and have these open conversations about it and like relate to one another because at some point or another, um, whether you know you know we've been affected by it personally, um, 
it's something that that we're familiar with, but we just keep behind closed doors. We keep it, you know, compartmentalized. And not everyone's look with the the topics that you just brought up. No one's expecting that everyone is going to agree wholeheartedly on things. Exactly. But, but here's the but. And to, to anyone who says, because I've worked with these athletes my whole life, and to anyone who says the whole shut up and dribble thing or whatever it is, right? You might not like what an athlete has to say, but. If an athlete is able to, and this is this is again where the this is the line that I find. If an athlete's able, this is why I brought up when you when you brought up Kyrie Irving, I was giving him props. Is similar to you. You're a cerebral guy, Randall. So when you talk about an issue, you don't yell a phrase that's been out there and just stand behind that phrase and then not explain. You explain, and the way that we come together. Look at what we're doing with we're all a little crazy and same here. We're saying there's one in five group that they talk about, and then there's the four in five who are healthy. No, that's not the idea. If we just keep saying stop the stigma, stop the stigma, it stays as two separate groups, the people being stigmatized and the people doing the stigmatizing. We're having these long-form conversations for people to understand, wait a second, look at the similarities and what we all go through, the life challenges we all face. When athletes use their platform and they're able to explain their own lived experiences in any of those areas, like you were saying, race, sexual orientation, mental health, all of them, that starts to normalize conversations because now you can empathize. Now you can put your, your, yourself in their shoes if you have it. Maybe not to the level they have exactly, but instead of it just being, I don't like that phrase or I don't like that term, it's I'm hearing from the person. So for anyone who's saying like athletes shouldn't talk, athletes, if they're eloquent in the way you are and they speak from the heart, it helps normalize things and bring people together. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that, you know, um, when, you know, athletes especially can t- can be open about these things, you know, it's similar to, to the example you gave of the guy that's on the, on the, on the bench in the sling and then the cast, you know, it's that bond and vulnerability that, you know, it's the reason why, you know, e, you and I are, are, are still, you know, cool to this day. It's that bond that that is forged, it's that, that's built. It's, 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 that's the human in us, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, you know, I think we're, like I said before, there's work that, that needs to be done, but like having the conversation, um, is, is a huge step in the right direction. And I'm, I'm excited to see where, where, where it goes. I'm disappointed to see where it is now, but, um, the, the exciting thing is this is the step back that we needed so that we can take five steps forward. Well, and, and so in, with that, Right. Because I think the rest of your story is such a big piece also that I want to then build more into the Naomi piece. So you have this injury, you know, with the with the meniscus, which is the first of of multiple injuries. Right. And so you start working with Robin, but then even coming back. And again, I'm foreshadowing a little bit here. There's there's an injury that plays into your ability when you're going for the NFL draft as well. So can you take us a little bit through the timeline there? Yeah, man. So, um, so senior season, um, uh, at SC, uh, well, actually my, 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 my junior season. Um, and this is what I, a lot of what I talked about, um, you know, that night when, when we, when we all spoke, <clears throat> you know, things weren't going my way. I wasn't, you know, healing the way that I was supposed to. My mental was still, you know, messed up. Confidence was at an all time low. I was sleeping two, three hours a night, you know, tense, anxious, um, not knowing like what the next day was going to, was going to bring, um, you know, I figure, okay, well, I need to take things in my own hands. And then that's when, you know, like the, the, the self-medicating started where I was like, okay, well, if I can't heal my body from the physical, you know, therapy, like, let me, you know, pop these two or three pills, you know what I mean? That at least can bring the pain down so that I can, I can perform, you know what I mean? Um, and, 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 and let's highlight that piece. Cause it's so important. Randall's not just saying, because like Theo, obviously who, who hosts with us, he would, Theo played 15 years in the NHL, what he calls delving into the dark side of life, which is the things that we don't really, we shouldn't really be using, but they help us to feel better. And what Randall's sharing is it didn't just help him feel better mentally in feeling better mentally by taking pain away, it allowed him to also go back to the purpose of the individual who he is, which is I'm Randall, the football player who's destined for making the NFL. So, so this need for that, you know, pain pill wasn't just getting myself out of the emotional pain. It's also getting myself back to being the person that I knew. And I'm not using that as a way to promote people using it. I'm sure. saying why it's so hard for people not to use it because of what it, it perceives to give you. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, as 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 an athlete, there's there's a, a immense amount of pressure, you know, to to perform. You know what I mean? And and when you're on the sideline, you that's the the moment when you feel the most like you're damaged goods. You're completely useless. You have no purpose. Um, you know what I mean? There's 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 walk-ons who are able-bodied, and they have more purpose because they can perform. You know what I mean? And that's that's the part that eats away at you, which makes you want to take things in your own hands. You start to get desperate. You know, and start to look at other, you know, mechanisms that you can use and that you can utilize, you know, to get back to at least even even if it's a little bit of that that person that you that you once were. The issues with that is, and it, 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 there's it's it's rare that there's a happy ending to that, right? Especially when you're when you're medicating, you know what I mean? Um, and so, unfortunately, you know, I, I got to a point where I was like, man, like, um, I wasn't taking these these this medication for just you know, to get on the field it was i'm doing it when i wake up i'm doing it before i go to bed i'm doing it way more often than i thought i'm doing it. if not if i don't and you, i'm and you looking shared, around you shared that you had access you don't have to give names but I, I'm, I'm i'm talking about this more in the context of what public figures what athletes have access to generally which is when it dries up somewhere else the source of where you can get these things from Usually because you're cool, because a because a doctor wants to be able to say the doctor, oh, I helped that guy get on the field now that he's performing. Like you have access to things, and that makes it dangerous because because there's more access to be able to get those things that help you in a hurtful really type of way, but but that that you think you need at that time. Exactly, exactly. And and it was it's very enabling, you know, because um, you know, in my mind, it's like I like. I, I, I need to have this to, to perform. And then it went from not just, I need to have this to perform. It's just, I need this. Right. And now because I was, you know, this, this, you know, cool, charismatic, you know, USC football player veteran, you know what I mean? Um, I can speak to these doctors personally and be like, yo, like you, you get me right with this. And it's, it's, it's easy as that. Boom. Here's a prescription for a huge pack of it. You know, you do, do what you got to do. You know what I mean? And, and that's when, um, that's when things get, get tricky and that's when things start to get really dangerous. You know, do you, do you think, um, it's ego from these doctors? Do you think it's, you know, I, I, I'm going to take USC out of the equation so you don't get yourself into trouble or anything. NFL doctors, college doctors. I mean, there's look, I, I'm assuming you're the answer to your question is going to be yes, but like pressure from boosters like you know pressure from someone who know like a owner at the team who's a minority owner knows this doctor in some way right again ego about i helped ben roethlisberger get back on the field right like there's got to be that piece of it because like the average person technically should not be able to get access to more and more pills but you're able to get them for some reason i mean I can I can imagine, you know, uh, I can't speak for them, but from <laughs> right. the way that those 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 conversations went, um, and the way the, those relationships developed, I I I I can only imagine that that was you know something that was at the at the back of their mind, something that they kind of felt proud of, um, something that you know they were like, okay, I, I I'm doing my part to make sure that this athlete is you know, able to perform, getting right, being able to be able to perform. Exactly. So, you know, like I said, can't speak for him, but you know, like, you know, you've seen it, you've spoken with these yeah, doctors, you, you know? Yeah. yeah. One plus one typically equals two. Again, we won't, we won't put any names up there, but it just sounds like it makes sense. All right. So the amazing part about this, this next phase of the story is you're, you get injured on the last game of the, of the regular season, right? Yes. Okay. Talk a little bit. About injured. That. Yeah, sure. So, um, injured on the the last game of the the regular season um, as a senior. That as as a senior, yeah, right. So, junior, I went through that whole stint. Um, you know, that after that season, when I that's when I when I realized, yo, I I, I, I got to get off this. I need help. I got off. I got off of you know the 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 pills. Really went to to you know to therapy, and, and therapy is another thing that a lot is very taboo with folks. I I. I openly talk about that and openly encourage that to anyone who 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 needs it. I, I think it's something that is can do wonders, even if you don't feel like you know you might have an, an issue mentally. It wouldn't hurt to even talk to someone because you know were, there might were be something you open that at the time though you're saying you're of course open. Not. Yeah, you yeah, weren't open. Of course, time. I wasn't open. The, man. the reason I the reason I asked that, Randall. So 
the, one of the schools that we went to right after uh, USC was the other USC, University of South Carolina. And building a brand new, um, you know, athletic facility. And they were showing us how the therapist's office for where the sports psychologists are had two different doors you can go into it from. One directly out of the, um, you know, the the training, you know, athletic trainer facility where you get like stem and ice. And then other one, a back door where you can sneak into where no one sees you. And, and oh, look, uh, where we're at in 2021, don't get me now, this was at the time, this is end of 2019, to be fair. But yeah. even, you know, within the last like, year and a half, two years, is still a brand new facility saw the need to have two points of entry because we're still not at a place where it's okay to go straight from getting your stem and your ice to now going and talking to someone, right? Yeah. So, so not surprised when you're saying, no, at the time I wasn't open to speaking to people. Or telling, sorry, telling people that I was speaking to people. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that's that's a that's an interesting story. Um, I'll definitely have to take that. Um, but 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 yeah, man. I, I you know I was I wasn't open to it, but you know, um, it, it had reached a uh, I had reached a really low point. Um, and it's like, listen, if if I want to continue um, playing this game, um, if I want to play at at, at the next level, I, like I need to get right mentally first right that was that was the 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 first thing that i needed to do because because that ultimately helped me get right with my knee right it helped me get right with my injuries right so i'm now i'm i'm playing clean senior season everything's going well i'm taking care of my body taking care of my 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 mental taking care of everything last game of the season boom i i broke my foot um it's list frank fracture which i thought was just a mid mid uh, foot sprain, um, foot swelled up out of my shoe. Uh, they were they they told me it's it's just a mid midfoot sprain. They tried to strap my shoe back on. It wasn't fitting. They're like, you can get get back out there. I'm like, my laces aren't even tying up. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm 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 good. I'm gonna sit out. It's the, it's the ball game. Like I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm just gonna sit out, right? And they they kind of looked at me like, oh, like he's 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 chickening out, like he just wants to sit out. It was in pain. My foot was swollen out of my, like it was bad. Get it, get it, you know, X-ray and MRI, midfoot sprain, and it's it's they they say that the Liz Frank injury is like the ACL of the foot, right? So when you injure that, it's like a nine month to to a year recovery, right? Um, and for, for people it's who like, know Liz Frank, is that that's the ligament? That's the it's a bone? the ligament. Okay. It's a it's a ligament. The Liz Frank, yeah, the Liz Frank. There, there's two small balls in the middle of the foot, and there's a small ligament that that attaches that. And when that when that tears, the whole foot spreads out. Got you know it. I mean? Got it's it. weird. So it keeps it keeps the foot together. Okay. Yeah, and so and for everyone hearing, like Randall's a competitive mofo who wants to be out in the field. <laughs> he's the guy's rallying everyone up. He's not taken off just because oh, like I I think I'm hurt. Like if he's taken off, it's because it really doesn't seem like it's the right thing to go back in the field. Yeah, absolutely. I I physically couldn't stand. Um, <clears throat> it was it was bad. It started to get numb. <clears throat> disaster. So, um, now I, right immediately after that, then like the next day, I'm thinking, oh my god, not again. I'm not going down this road again. Like what am I gonna like? How can I? But the good thing is I knew that I, I had developed the, the tools that I needed um, to go through something like this again, right? I knew where I had been, right? So like now I know like how to forge, like how to forge on, you know, with this injury, right? Um, what made it tricky was that it wasn't that I was now getting, you know, treatment, you know, at SC, getting ready to put the SC jersey back on. It's now I'm in this like, lull this you know limbo between college and the nfl who do i go to who do i speak to who can i trust who can i confide in but you know at this point from the game that you played your senior year and how well you played the scouts are telling you you've got a spot on an nfl roster yes yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's interesting yeah and, and you know my agent was um you know kind of giving me updates as the season was going on like of course i wasn't no first round guy but there you know i was getting you know, third and fourth round grades, which is, you know, I'm, I'm cool with, you know, after that injury, that tanked, of course, right? And so there was that added pressure of what's going to happen now? Like, you know, this is the worst possible time. I can't do the combine. I can't do pro day. Can't do any senior bowls. Yeah. Where do I go? Who do I speak to? 
this and the third, right? But well, like I said before, feeling like you have any control because you're waiting on them choosing you. You've got this body of work up until this point. You're watching all your peers getting an opportunity to go to all these showcase events. Yes. And you can't do anything at them. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I even had a coach or a scout from the Giants. Um, I won't name any names. A scout from the Giants. Uh, I went to the I went to one of the senior bowls. I was still injured. I went to one of the senior bowls um, just so I can speak to the scouts. I can still interview because I'm still part of the process. Right. And my agent was there. So like he can like kind of like be by my side so I don't go crazy. Um, and, and, you know, all the other scouts that were like, okay, yeah, I see that you have an injury. Like, you know, you'll, you'll get through this wherever you go. Like we've got a great, you know, physical therapy staff, like, you know what I mean? So they understood that, you know, I was mature enough to, when I do get to that team, I'll, I'll handle it like a pro and I'll get back on, on, on the playing field and they won't waste a pick. Right. This, this scout from the giants, he was upset. He was like, you, you have an injury. You still came here and, 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 you know, you, you can't even perform. Like what's, what's the whole point? Why'd you even come? You know what I mean? Like, and he was upset to the point where he wasn't even looking at me in my face. And I was like, wow. wow, he's no longer there, obviously, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, but that, you know, that, that was a, a testing moment. Cause it was like, am I going to encounter situations like that even more throughout this process? Because, you know, the senior, the senior games are shortly after the season. So it's like, am I going to continue to encounter this with other scouts? And what is my story going to be? How do I explain this? How do I talk about this? Right. So that was an added thing that I, that I needed to develop and something that I needed to, to consistently to, to think of. Um, but I digress. Get drafted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Keep going, man. Because I, I want to hear into getting drafted and then what happened from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I, won't, I, won't, I know this, this story can kind of drag on, but, uh, but um, yeah, so I get drafted. I was fortunate to get drafted to the, to the Cleveland Browns. Um, and it was odd. It, it, it's something that it, it, it's a sight to see because my, my sister saw this video. I'm on the phone with, with Ray Farmer at the time and I'm in a boot and I'm getting drafted. And I was like, this is this is God. Like you you looked out for me, man. Like this is appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was, I, was, I was fortunate to get drafted to Cleveland Browns. Uh, I mean, fortunate or unfortunate. We, we were terrible at the time, but still a great, a great experience get there and they 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 told me exactly that they're like look we we understand the the severity of your your injury we know that you can play we know that you can perform you know we because you went through the the pre-draft process of of interviewing with these scouts right and these other coaches and they got to to listen to you and understand your your level of maturity that's what gave us the confidence to to pick you up and bring you in right so it, it worked out that i went to these these you know the, the senior bowls and spoke and, and, and was present and had and showed face. You know what I mean? It helped it helped me out in the long run. Someone who is the opposite of the way that the Giants treated you. Yeah. <laughs> <Actually laughs> Realize that like this guy's yeah. got his head on straight. Like he's got the physical attributes. He, he's gonna be really good once he heals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So went through the the, the whole rehab process. Um, you know, at with the Cleveland Browns. Um, got really close with the with the the training staff. Um you know, and of course, there's an added level of um, uncertainty that that started to creep in because, you know, this wasn't something like, oh, I can get back and get back to my team, uh, my you know college team that I know these players, I know my old line, I know my quarterback. It's I'm getting back and now I have to perform at an even higher level with guys I've never played with before. And prove right? yourself. And prove yourself yeah. again. Like we had we had um we had Ryan Holinsky on Tyler's brother. Um, and talk about a USC guy who now transferred to um, to Northwestern, where he's going to supposed to be the starting QB, right? But like he's not even injured, Randall, right? Like you were injured, and he was like, "Well, people say, you know, all American boy, like you know, being given the starting job, like in a beautiful campus, awesome city, right near Chicago. What could be bad?" And he's talking about some of these things, like I don't know these teammates the way that I knew the other teammates. Yeah. He's of like, course. I gotta, I gotta prove myself again. The coaches have to have confidence in me again. So like, yeah. people that like, oh, well, you're making millions of dollars, or oh, like you have a scholarship for this thing, or right? that's a lot of freaking pressure on someone. I just want a lot of pressure. pressure. Yeah. yeah, man. Every every day's a job interview. You know what I mean? Imagine a whole season going through a whole season, and every single day is a job interview, right? You know, usually job interviews like a couple of weeks, and imagine a whole season going through that. So it, it, it's it's taxing mentally for sure. You know, um, and so I always use this analogy with my NFL experience um, is, uh, you know, it, what it felt like at the time being on the sideline, not being able to perform, 
not being able to prove myself, but being in the building, it felt like, you know, you know, I felt like I finally got my, my dream home, right? Big old nice house, you know, some sports cars, uh, you know, in the driveway, you know what I mean? Um, nice yard, everything is just like big old nice gates. You know what I mean? What it felt like was, you know, every walking into that building every day, what it felt like is I got to walk past that house, look at the house, look at the cars and not be able to to walk in and have to keep walking. That's what, it, that's what every day in the facility felt like. Like I had finally reached my goal and my dream, but it's it's within reach, but I can't, I can't hold it yet. I can't touch it. Right, I can't physically right. touch it yet. Right. And so, um, you know, that's the analogy I gave to the psychologist that I started speaking to when I was with the Browns and, you know, he kind of, you know, coached me through what the next few months were going to be like with this injury coming back. And then ultimately like being out there for, you know, rehab, getting ready for the next season. Right. Um, and so I don't want to say that it, it was all peachy from there, but, um, I needed to go through or the things that I went through when I was in college prepared me to be able to accept what I was about to go through in the NFL. Right. And that's what the, that psychologist, cause he, cause the psychologist, they, they go through the, you know, everything, every athlete that gets drafted, you know, from when they first step on the college campus to when they first step on the, on the NFL, you know, uh, field. So he knew everything that I had already been through. You know what I mean? He was he was asking me like, oh, how how was this experience? How did how did you manage this? And I was honest with him with my college experiences, right? Um, and he's like, well, you know, these things like whether you know you want to you know believe it or not, but you develop tools and in and you know resources in yourself to be able to accept what you're going to need to go through um, to get back on the field here. And and you know it it, it worked out. You know I I you know, trusted the, the physical therapist. I trusted myself. I, you know, trusted my ability. Um, and, you know, uh, I was able to get back on the field and, and, and perform and, and, you know, it worked out for me. And for everyone who's listened to that story, right, is the, 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 the main takeaway for me is we go through shitty times. All of us do. When you learn from those shitty times, what are your best coping mechanisms? What are your best resiliency tools? What are your best ways to build and gain perspective off those things? How much, I don't want to say easier, but more manageable new situations are. So when we're in the moment of feeling awful, it feels awful. Don't get me wrong. But know that it's an education process you're going through. And don't look at it only as my life sucks right now. Things are awful. Look at it like, what can I take from this? Because there's going to be obstacles down the road. And what can I, with those obstacles, like I'm going to be able to be that much more resilient of a person when the new obstacle comes, right? And so, so Randall, you got to play, you know, in the NFL, right? Which most people don't get to do. Um, and, you know, you decided, you know, pretty short in your career, um, not the best place for me. I'm going to go do something else. Was, was that at all balancing the mental and the, and the physical, the, the taxing on your body? Was it? You know, and, and so I, I'm sorry if that question puts you on the spot. It, it's more of like, you know, I look at like, um, I forget his name from the 49ers. I want to say his first name was Chris, who made the decision like after a great rookie year to just like hang it up because he didn't want to have the possibility of head injuries. Right. Like so. So NFL people think NFL players are crazy to go back to our word for for not playing a full. If Oh, if you have the tools to play a 12 year career, a 10 year career, how could you not? do it right so take us a little through that if you don't mind like after you started playing again yeah so um when i started playing again the the only thing was forward right um i the, the thing is like i tried to take it as, as far as i could but you know the injuries that i sustained uh unfortunately started to 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 eat away at my ability to perform it's one thing to be able to do that to, to you know have those sustain those injuries and be at, at you know 75 80% and perform in college you know as a young guy you need to be at 110% to perform against a Terrell Suggs a Cameron Wake you know what i mean like those those sorts of guys and so um you know a lot of those injuries started, started to creep back up i was i was you know going to therapy going to rehab but what um a big part of it you know like i said was the 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 part that i physically couldn't go anymore and so um 
you know, I, I made the decision to to hang them up after after I got traded and and to the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs were like, we can't even clear you because your injuries are too bad. We can't we can't clear you to play, right? So then they they they, they shook me off to Indy. Indy was like, all right, yeah, we'll we'll take you. Angela's coming back with another tight end, but you have one year and you may be. And if something bad happens, it's we're gonna it's gonna we have to take some crazy measures. You know what I mean to save your leg. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, save my leg. Yo, all right, dog, listen. <laughs> all right, yeah, it's 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 around. I'm, I'm gonna hang these up, you know what I mean? Which at the time it's like, oh, that's a, that's an easy decision, of course. But to to leave the game that you love so much, right? To leave, you know, uh this relationship, this 15-year relationship that I developed and cultivated and put so much time and effort. And, and energy into to leave just like that is not an easy decision. Um, and at the time, it almost felt like the game was leaving me, you know what I mean? Because I couldn't perform anymore. And so that came with, the, that, you know, came with a whole another you know, set of issues of, you know, who am I now? What, what, what am, what's my purpose now? Because for 15 years, this has been my purpose. And just like that, it's gone. And now that purpose that I developed is now going on being purposeful with other people, right? It's like, imagine you break up with an ex and now the next day you see your ex with somebody else being happy. How do you deal with that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, know, there was that story of Philip Adams, the player who played for six different teams, six different years, and unfortunately was involved in that murder-suicide lately, uh, recently, sorry. And it was, it was, he, people just started saying, oh, well, football player traumatic brain injury that's what it was and i started reading deeper and deeper into his story and some of the things that his family was saying and like when he basically was cut from the last team he was telling his parents i don't want to watch football anymore i don't want to watch those games his parents were trying to get him involved in doing stuff again hey come watch the game with us come he was like no 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 i don't i don't want to watch anymore like it like you said like it broke up with me and for everyone who's listening to this, like this idea of loss of purpose, loss of identity, like Randall goes through that at 20, you know, mid twenties, right. In, in his life. That's why hearing from athletes, I think is so important because that might happen to you when you're 35 and you become a CEO who sells your company. And now you've made tons of money, but what do I do with the rest of my life? Oh my God, I'm no longer the startup guy or most average cases, I'm 62, 63, 67 years old, whatever it is, and I retire now. Yeah, golf is fun, but what do I do You know, outside of that? Seeing my grandkids is fun. What do I do besides that? We can learn a lot from athletes. And I, and I think from what you're saying, if I'm putting words in your mouth, tell me, but the experiences that you went through that were mental challenges from the injuries when you played in college and then even in the NFL helped you in your transition from what's my purpose after the NFL career, right? Because yeah. if not, you probably would have spun even more if you didn't have those experiences beforehand, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of guys do. And it's, you know, just as much as there's a, a 100% injury rate in the NFL, um, I would be remiss if I didn't say that there's a 100% chance that every guy that retires from ball um, from the NFL is going to go through that period of uncertainty, of anxiety, of of you know, not feeling fulfilled or not feeling purposeful. It's, it's, it's inevitable. You know what I mean? And the NFL has, you know, a couple of programs um, where they fly guys out and and talk, we talk about this, you know what I mean? I went to an an event um, with NFL engagement and we, we went to Orlando and we openly talked about this. They invited us that got guys who had just gotten done playing, whether you were a a undrafted guy or a first round guy, we were all there. And they even said, let's bring bring your significant others, bring your wives, bring your girlfriend, you know what I mean? Because they're, they went through that with you, you know what I mean? They might not understand exactly what you're going through, so let's all talk about it so that they can understand. Dude, I love it. I mean, I yeah. mean, you're like the, the story that you're sharing is so relatable to everyone. And, and I want to, in the last five minutes or so here, I want to take what you went through and then you know, the, the, the impetus for thinking of you being the perfect guy from a current event standpoint was, was the Naomi Osaka story. And, and you hear you're someone who played high level D one football gets drafted into the NFL. You're throwing around names like Andrew Luck and that you would have been his tight end, right. Playing with him. Like these are, these are names that people can relate to, but be honest, like your openness, your ability to share at the time. And then even right now, 
for someone who had both types of injuries, we're going to call them both injuries, right? Because our, I think the best way for people to understand mental health is the brain, the central nervous system can be injured, right? And we, we could do a whole nother show on neurobiological changes that happen in the system that show that it actually is an injury, but we're still like, like at the time you weren't able to be as open about it. And then I still think now the reason why you were excited to get on with me, Randall, right. Is because we have to have these conversations because it's still not where we're ready to talk about it. And the only way people are going to believe that that's the case is hearing from people like you who've experienced both. And you're like, yo, they treat me way differently when it's this. Well, I don't mean the doctors because it sounds like the doctors are helping, but I'm talking about society at large, the agents, like all these things, they treat you differently when it's one versus the other. Absolutely, absolutely. I, m- I remember, um, you know, when I was going through those those really dark, you know, pits um, after I got done playing ball, shortly after, and I was calling people to let them know, like, you know, I'm, I'm hanging them up, you know what I mean? And what that was when I was calling people was really like, I was I was reaching out and I was like, yo, hold my hand through this. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm actually made a list of people who were supportive and people who were like, either you're making a mistake or you're, you know, there's so, so many people who, who, who would rather be in your shoes. Um, you know, you're 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 throwing this away or whatever. It was three people. It was my 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 dad, um, my mom and my agent who were like, I support your decision. Let me know whatever you need. I got you. You know, we're, we'll, we will get through this together. And it was listed like thirty five people who were like, "Nah, man, like you're 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 crazy. You're throwing us away." So it's like it's it's there's so much you know, like you said, there's so much pressure um, from you know uh, society from from others, um, you know, that you feel you know, especially when you're going through those low moments. But I think you, what you said is important. Is that there's no there's no there's a lack of education on these topics, right? And that's why, um, you know, Kyrie Irving takes those moments to educate, right? Um, you know, and that's why there's so many people that that take these moments, you know, like yourself, to educate people on this, right? There's so many things that, you know, um, and, and, and I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but when it comes to the LGBT, uh, you know, Q movement, right? And, and their, their rights and their safety, um, uh, there's so much misinformation and so much lack of education that we all had, right? But, you know, they, and, you know, advocates of, of the LGBT community, right? They educated us on what this means, right? So we can conceptualize it and we can, we can normalize, you know what I mean? All of it, right? We can normalize, we can, we can talk openly about it, right? And that's what needs to happen, you know, in athletics. It's 100% what needs to happen in athletics. And I feel, I, I empathize with Naomi Osaka because it kind of feels like she's being, uh, she's a, she's a martyr right now. Um, because yes, we are, we are having the conversation about it, but like at the same time, she's still getting that pressure from, from outside people. And, and like you said, it is polarized it's people who are supporting her and people who feel like she's being a little sissy, which is absolutely terrible. So, so I'm not That's crazy reality. that I saw a lot of people being negative towards her as well. Right. Right. No, you're not crazy. Yeah, I saw that too. And uh, I'll I'll end on this. So we we work with with Robin Lerner, the goalie uh, who plays for the Golden Knights. And to your point about people feeling like they're on an island still, I'll I'll give a little inside story. I won't won't give the name of the person, but Robin, he's one of those people like Kyrie Irving. He he pontificates a little bit, right? Like he, he, he tries to educate people as he's sharing and he uses the press conferences to get out there. And there was a guy who shared a reaction with another, let's call him media type uh, in the Golden Knights circle, um, who after hearing Robin in one of his latest press conferences goes, because Robin had just signed a five-year deal, he goes, oh, just another four years of dealing with this, right? A guy clearly who just wants to talk about Golden Knights hockey, and that's it, right? And, And I bring that up because that's the attitude that we're fighting against, and Look, Randall, like your ability to communicate, your ability to emote, your ability to share what you've been through is so needed in this space, right? Everyone, everyone's got different size platforms and stuff like that. But um, for everyone listening, like the reason why I think I had a connection with Randall from the beginning, it goes back to that USC event. And as we're building, like Randall, we haven't caught up a lot, but obviously COVID, um, you know, took a little wrench in doing face to face. We were doing a lot of virtual events but there's a lot of growth happening i've shared with you stuff with the nflpa and doing more programs on their behalf 
documentary we have coming out. So you're someone I, I, I think is needed in this space because your voice is, is powerful. You've got an incredible story and you articulate it well. So, so just know we're going to be, keep coming back to you asking for more. And Appreciate more. it, man. Feeling Appreciate like you're it. a real partner in this. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you know, I've, you know, and, and, and you can speak to this as well. You know, we've, we've we've been on fire before right and the tools that we've developed while we're on fire like you know we're like buckets of water that doused us and if we can if we can offer a cup of water a bucket of water to someone else who was on fire man i will do whatever i can because it's one thing to feel a physical pain you know like I, of course i empathize but like the the mental pain is something that it's 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 something that consumes all of you you know what i mean it's not just a hand where it's like localized it consumes everything you know what i mean so you know, in any way that I can help, man, he appreciate you for bringing me on. Um, this has been a pleasure. And I, and I hope that, you know, my story, E's story and, you know, Naomi's story and other athlete stories can, you know, kind of, you know, open up the conversation and, and liberate others to, to have these, these discussions um, and to be honest and open with their, with their own, you know, you know, mental, mental, you know, health issues. And that's, look, the reason why the name of the organizations were all a little crazy. The reason why we talk about same here is because what you just shared. The, the the stigma doesn't change by yelling a slogan. The stigma changed by each of us getting out there and sharing what we've been through. So an amazing hour plus, Luen, even a little over than the typical hour we go, just because it's such a great conversation. And I'm sorry that my friends Darren and Theo couldn't be here for this, but they'll certainly be putting it out there and helping us share. And so on behalf of Darren and Theo and Randall Telfer, this has been Eric Houston and we're all a little crazy and we'll see you next week thanks so much you just heard we're all a little crazy brought to you by the hashtag same here global mental health movement and the hockey podcast network